Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our study in the book of Philippians and we are coming to Philippians chapter 2, continuing looking at my very favorite Christmas passage or perhaps you would want to call it an incarnation passage because it has all to do with Christ coming and putting on flesh and becoming like a man. And yesterday we went and we looked at this concept of how Christ came to the earth, and he had a right view of himself. And it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being found in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And today we're going to continue this, but we're going to be looking at how Christ was humble and he was obedient, and that is part of the mind that we are supposed to have as Christians in—well, the the, the mind that we're supposed to have as Christians— <laughs> So let's go ahead and let's get into it here in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says this, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, conceit, or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others." Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to do and to excuse me, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of faith, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your estate, your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that he is a son uh, with his father. He served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself also might come to you shortly, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but, also, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow." 
Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Wow, I really love this chapter of Scripture. In fact, I really just love the book of Philippians. It really is just such a rich, rich book. But like I said, we're going to be focusing in here, uh, starting in verse 5 and really going through verse 8 today. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What an incredible, incredible Christmas passage. This is all about Jesus Christ, God himself, the Word made flesh, coming and putting on flesh, becoming man in order that he might save us. That is what Christmas is all about. And of course, it's about 110 degrees outside here uh, on the forecast anyway coming up. And so I'm looking forward to Christmas, and I'm hoping talking on a Christmas passage will bring in some cooler weather. I don't think that's really how it works, but it'd sure be nice if it was. But there are three things that I want us to see here this morning that Christ put on that he had this kind of a mindset that you also need to have, that every Christian needs to have. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it says this in verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. The first thing we see here is that Jesus Christ, the mindset that he had was that of a servant. It was that of a servant. And, and there are a couple of, of things that are important to understand. One is this idea of the bondservant. We don't have time to, to really dive deep into this, but I want us to understand that this word is the idea here in the Greek that it is one who has lost his will to the will of his master. It's one that has lost his will to the will of his master. And of course, who was Jesus Christ submitted to? Who is he? What was he ultimately serving? It was God the Father. But Jesus also submitted himself to spiritual authorities, um, specifically John the Baptist. He comes to John and he says, look, I need to be baptized by you. And John says, no, 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 no. Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, I know, but, but let this happen so that all righteousness uh, may, may happen. And we, we see this concept here is that Jesus was submitting himself to John, and then he even goes to, to start his ministry. He says the exact same thing that John says to start his ministry. He follows in the footsteps of John as John was making uh, straight the way of the Lord there for him, but he's submitting himself to John as he goes and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's submitting to his message. He's submitting to him spiritually by being baptized by John. What an incredible thing. And, and this is something that is incredibly vital when it comes to being a servant. People don't think about this, but being a servant really comes down to a couple things. One is submission. 
if you're not submitted, then the reality of it is, is that you're not going to be a servant. You can't be a servant while assuming the position of master. Yeah, I know that's simple, but so many people forget this. You must submit yourself. And the second thing that is very vital when it comes to being a servant is that you have to understand that it's not just that you're in submission, but there are going to be times when your servanthood is truly tested is when you are treated like a servant, when people aren't going around and praising you and you're still doing what's right, you're still doing what you're supposed to be doing, and uh, maybe they're not even treating you nice. Maybe, maybe they're not treating you well at all when you're doing this, but a true servant doesn't let that bother him because his job is to serve. It's mission-focused and it's submission-focused. So you're submitted and you're on a mission. And no matter what people's responses around you, you're not going to let it be detoured. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He was 100% submitted to the will of the Father, and he was on a mission. There were those who praised him. They were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. He comes in the name of the Lord, all these things. He didn't let that move him from his position. He also had people jeer him, mock him, want to stone him, want to kill him, want to try him, all these kinds of things, and he didn't let that detour him from his mission. It didn't matter how people were treating him around him, whether he was drawing crowds or whether he was repelling crowds. Jesus didn't let that change what his mission was. And when you find your purpose, your mission from God, the reality of it is, is that if you're truly being a servant, it doesn't matter what those people are doing around you. It doesn't matter if people are, are praising you, if they're, if they're throwing stones at you, mocking you, treating you poorly. If you are a true servant of God, you are going to stay on mission, and you're going to be submitted to your spiritual authorities and you're going to be submitted, of course, to God the Father. The second thing that I want us to see here is not just that he was a servant, but then it says here in verse 8, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We see here that he humbled himself. Now think about this who Jesus is. He is the, the King of glory. He is God himself. He is the Word that then went and created everything, and he goes and he puts himself inside of that creation, takes on flesh. But he doesn't just do that. He chooses to be born at the right time, at the appropriate time, at the perfect time. And it was a time when there was no air conditioning. It was a time where, where he was he chose to be born inside maybe not um, poor uh, you, you know meager parents in the sense of Joseph and Mary, but he certainly didn't choose to be born uh, of the most wealthy parents. In fact, we look at Joseph and Mary, they were Jews, and the Jews, of course, were under captivity at that time. Uh, they were it was occupied, their nation was occupied by Rome. I mean, you, you think about this here. He's not being born as a first-class citizen. He's not being born as, as certainly the most wealthy person uh, or the most wealthy family that's ever walked the face of the earth or anything like that. He goes and is choosing you know, an average to, to maybe even below average, depending on how you want to go and look at all of history. I'm not sure, but it's certainly—he well, wasn't born into you know, Elon Musk's family or something like that. 
And uh, we, we look at that concept here. Jesus was born, he was born in a stable. I mean, he was born, uh, of course, to to just a, a newly wed couple. Um, in, in fact, you know, Mary was found uh, with child before um, her and Joseph got married. We, we see all of that stuff. It, it's, it's incredible humility. And then he doesn't go and work his way up through academia. He doesn't go and have have any of these these tremendous accolades um, when it comes to profession or anything like that. He was a carpenter. Now he's probably a tremendous carpenter, but he was just a carpenter nonetheless. And I mean, we go and we look at these things. It is just incredible humility that Jesus Christ goes and he shows. Now, it's not just that he shows humility in the situation that he's in and going and putting on flesh and becoming found in the appearance of a man and all of this kind of stuff, but, but it is that he, he is humble in the way that he lives his life as well. I mean, uh, you know, he's right when he goes and he tells Peter, you know, hey, I, I could call legions of angels to come and to destroy these people. You know, it. If you were absolutely right, you were coming on a mission to save these these people, and some of them treated you the way that they treated Jesus. Man, I I would be you know sending hordes of angels. I would be inviscerating these people with firebombs and all kinds of stuff, because it, I mean, it would really bother me. But Jesus was humble. Jesus was humble, and he was patient with them. And he still died on the cross for them and for their sins. In fact, he goes and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. But looking at that death, we see here that it's not just that he was a servant. It's not just that he humbled himself, but it's that he becomes obedient. And obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, the cross was an instrument of death. A lot of times today we use it as a decoration. But ultimately, it's, a, it's an instrument of death. You know, when, the, when Scripture says, take up your cross and follow me, it's saying, go and pick up your instrument of death. That's what it's going and saying. It's not a, a pleasant, pretty picture. It's an instrument of death. In Jesus, it, 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 he died. The ultimate death, the Romans were said to perfected death with the cross. It was their perfected torture. They were quite torturous people. They, they knew how to punish criminals. And Jesus took, the innocent Jesus, took that death upon himself, and he became obedient unto it. It was the ultimate obedience. There was nothing that would detour his obedience. He was 100% committed to the will of the Father, not just 100% submitted, but 100% committed. And it didn't matter what it cost. It didn't matter that, that it was not just death, but the death upon the cross. Jesus Christ was committed, and he humbled himself. He took all of this upon him. And this is the mindset that Scripture says that me and you are to have. You're to be a servant. You're to be humble. And you're to be ultimately obedient.
obedient in the ultimate sense, no matter what it costs you, you are committed to the cause of Christ. That's the mindset that we are supposed to have. Have a right view of yourself like we looked at yesterday, but then today what we're seeing is that you're supposed to be a servant of God. You're supposed to be humble, and you are supposed to be committed to the cause of Christ, 100% obedient in everything that you are. This is the mindset that you have. What are the things that are hindering you today from being a true servant of God, from humbling yourself, and, and, and that's what enables you to be a servant of God, by the way, and to being obedient no matter the cost? What are the things that are in your way today? Get them out of the way so that you can get on mission, so that you can fulfill your purpose, so that you can obey Scripture, and you can have a mindset that Christ had just as Scripture tells you to. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9, as we depart, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And while we trust in Jesus, sometimes he leads us, waiting for his hand to move. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise, there's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been